What if I told you the secret for good hands in riding is not in your hands? I had a problem with pulling on the reins. I kept trying to fix my hands. The problem wasn't my hands. It was the rest of me that needed to make changes. I'm Suzanne DiStefano. I help riders make small changes that have big results in their riding. To improve your hands, you need a good seat. What did you think I was going to say? Keep your hands still with a soft fist, flexible wrists or elbows? Originally, I thought so too. But what was my problem? I couldn't stop pulling. Pulling was my go-to so I could maintain control. I was sensitive, which made me reactive and quick. As a result, I had a lot of tension in my arms, hands, and fingers. And I did get quite sophisticated about my contact with the reins, so I cleverly had learned how to maintain a light contact, but there was still too much dependency on my arms and my hands for control, even though I stayed fairly light. And I still carried tension in my arms, hands, and shoulders. Now I frustrated several of my instructors. Initially, when I worked with an instructor, they told me I had talent, but when I couldn't figure out how to stop pulling, they got frustrated with me. And I got frustrated with myself. There were several reasons why I couldn't stop pulling. First, I had to change my overall movement pattern. I tended to slouch and round my back. I wasn't fully upright. That was my body image. I was overusing my flexors. Any sense of being upright made me feel like I was just working too hard. So that reinforced the tendency to be too slouched, too round with my back in flexion. Pulling with the arms is flexion. My rounded body position supported my pulling on the reins. It was the same movement pattern. So I was relying upon my flexors to ride. I needed to use more of my musculature to distribute the effort over my whole self. For myself, finding support from my skeleton was foreign to me. It took a commitment to change my overall movement pattern. That change eventually did become my new normal. As I came more familiar with upright, I realized the strain of rounding and slouching was creating the pain in my back. So repeatedly I had a history of pain in my lower back when, as a result of my rounding. So there was pain in my lower back, under my shoulder blades, and between my shoulder blades because slouching caused my back muscles to work too much. So that was my first step, step to get out of flexion and to find an upright, upright posture. Secondly, I sat only on my seat bones. I would describe myself as if I was sitting on a runaway beach ball when I rode. Just being on your seat bones is a very tiny base of support and your skeleton gives you clues as to function. Your seat bones are part of your pelvis, the ischium. In front of your seat bones, the ischium is relatively flat. 
sitting on that flat area creates a wider base of support and therefore more stability. That stability made a big difference in my perception so I no longer felt like I was being tossed around like a runaway beach ball. However, I was taught that my seat bones needed to point up and down to be correct. But when I sat in front of my seat bones, my seat bones pointed backwards. So at first, in order to sit in front of my seat bones, I found myself sitting much in front of the vertical. And I still do that with a younger, less trained horse. But as my ability to use my seat improved and my horses, the horses I rode became more balanced, I was able to bring myself more vertically. And in doing that, instead of bringing my shoulders back, moving them over my pelvis, I brought my upper body over my legs. So my pelvis advanced forward underneath my shoulders. They are two different ways of coming to vertical, each having its unique path. And this brings me closer to standing. Riding is somewhere between sitting and standing, and it's actually closer to standing. So your first step is putting your legs underneath your torso, and then you make a very small movement to bring your torso over your legs. Unfortunately, when I did that, I tended to arch my lower back. Bring your, bringing your torso over your legs includes opening your hip angle, which was the topic of my first podcast, Open Your Hip Angle. To minimize the arch in my back, I had to lengthen my spine, thus bringing my seat bones back and down. Bringing my torso over my legs solved the problem of figuring out how to get my seat bones to point directly down. The best part of doing this, I discovered that the subtle up and down and back action in my seat bones created a counteraction that allowed me to avoid pulling on the reins. So, sitting in front of my seat bones gave me that space to lengthen my spine to create that counteraction which replaced my need to tighten my arms and hands, creating that pull on the reins that caused so much frustration and discomfort. As a result, I wasn't sitting so heavily on my seat bones, and that subtle movement gave me the space in my back to find the response which got me out of arching my lower back. Not arching my back gave me the ability to be tall in the saddle, so I found an upright posture that was functional in communicating with my horse. This was the key to my third step. I had to find the connection between my hands and my seat. Setting the constraint of not creating tension in my arms and hands and then finding the counteraction through my seat allowed me to remain in place, creating the appearance of stillness in my seat. As an example, let's say my shoulders tilted forward from my upright position, closing my hip angle. That small shift in my upper body changed the condition that, conditions that produced that soft contact on the reins. This upper body shift often caused me to pull my arms backward to maintain a contact. Again, pulling on the reins to take up any slack, however slight. Other minimal movements that disturbed my contact included rounding your back slightly, dropping your sternum, 
which happened to me with a can with the canner depart and discovering that tiny about a quarter inch drop was responsible for my horse to repeatedly lose balance soon after the canner depart. I had lost a true connection through the reins, that light feel. And in that canter depart example, maintaining my alignment meant my horse had no problem staying balanced. I just had to notice that first, that tiny little quarter inch drop in my sternum. The other thing I needed was to, to do, um, was including my upper, keeping, maintaining my upper arm at the vertical. It was easy for my horse to straighten my arms because I wanted to maintain that softness in my contact and avoid any resistance in my hands. So I extended my arms, accommodating my horse. My solution was to become aware of the placement of my el elbows relative to my pelvis. And that helped me sense where my hands were in space. In review, the overall movement I had to master, I had to keep my upper body in place. What that means is that I had to increase the muscular tone in my torso in a way that brings my seat bones back and down to act as a counteraction to any weight in the reins. This tiny motion lengthens my spine, lifts my sternum, and gives me the space allowing my shoulder blades to glide back and down. It's all part of one overall action of my whole self. So because I'm using my whole self, there was no sense of strain. And last, but certainly not least, what I'm focusing on now is riding more with my seat. And the key is recognizing changes in my horse. So I don't have, have weight in my hands. I can remain with a light contact. That means I focus a lot on the balance and straightness of my horse. When your horse lacks straightness, one shoulder carries more weight, thus bring, bringing your horse more on the forehand. So it's all about sensing the balance, straightness, and the quality of the movement of the horse's back. And I use that as my guide to maintain lightness and therefore not needing to rely so much on my reins for control. Now, my shoulders, elbows, and hands are quite soft, so rarely do I need to close my fingers. My fingers are more spring-like to avoid tension. While I ride, I challenge myself not to increase any effort in my hands and my arms. They act more as a source of information as to my horse's balance. What I do with my whole self is a small action, which is composed of many even smaller actions throughout, throughout myself. That means I'm using my seat instead of my hands. So my hands can remain, for the lack of a better word, neutral. I needed to find the action of my seat that replaced the closing of my hands. While your whole self goes into stabilizing and building good hands, here are a few helpful details focusing on your hands and arms. Your arm position, specifically your upper arm, should be a vertical plumb line. Try this short exploration for yourself now. So hold your arms in front of you with your elbows straight and feel the weight of your arms compared to when you bend your elbow with your upper arm vertical in gravity. 
which way of holding your arms feels heavier, which feels lighter. So your arms being long with your elbows straight, you're going to need to increase the muscle tone in your shoulders in order to stabilize, to hold them up and stabilize them. Also, with them being that far away from your torso, it makes it difficult to control and stabilize your hands. So, carry your hands close to your central axis and close together. In that position, you become more aware of your hands in space because they're placed near your torso and near each other, creating close reference that can, a close reference that can be sensed. It's like if you're carrying a weight in your hands, like a book. If you carry that book far from your core, you perceive it as heavier because with your elbows straight and weight in your arms, um, it makes fine, fine control difficult. Add the forces of riding and you add even more difficulty in keeping track of your hands. If you lean back, it's not easy to keep your upper arm vertical unless you're on a well-schooled horse that absorbs forces not transferring to them to you, you're the rider. If you study photos of historic riding masters, they hold their hands close together near their center. Another thought, for a long time, I believed my arms were too short. And some of it came from leaning back, but a component was from not clearly coming over my legs, advancing my pelvis to a more vertical standing position. Now we don't all have advanced school masters and when there is a need to shorten your reins and maintain the vertical of your upper arms like for jumping or when you're riding a young unbalanced horse, you'll close your hip angle, ride with a lighter seat and continue to maintain your plumb line with your upper arm. So then your upper arm comes a little bit more in front of your torso, maintaining the vertical of that upper arm and ease of carrying your arms but it allows for a shorter reign for better control for those active youngsters. Here are a few other thoughts about hands. Maintaining the relationship of your elbows to your torso. It helps to have a sense of that relationship, especially with the outside rein. Lots of times I see the outside elbow float away from the rider's side, especially when the rider's non-dominant hand is on the outside of the bend. So if you're right-handed and you're tracking right, many riders have their left elbow floating away from their torso. It is helpful to focus on where your elbow is relative to your sides to help stabilize your hands. Next, let's examine actually holding the reins in your hands. To minimize effort, you want the rein to be placed where you where your grasp can be simple, centrally close to your knuckle. Your fingertips are relatively weak compared to the palm of your hand. So like if you grasp a coffee mug with the palm, you'll grasp it with the palm of your hand. If you try and grasp it with your fingertips, you'll sense more tension to hold the weight of that coffee cup and stabilize it with your fingertips. There's less effort, effort centrally your hand creates a soft fist. So when you ride, going back to holding the, the reins, your hand creates a soft fist 
with the end joint towards your fingertips extended. So the pads of your fingers are facing the heel or the palm of your hand. You don't want your fingernail, um, fingernails curled inward towards the palm of your hand. Try and explore both ways of closing your hand. Make a tight fist and feel the difference when you curl your fingers in an arc so your fingernails are going into the palm of your hand with that tight fist. Then try closing and making a tight fist with the first, that first digit, the one towards your fingertips, extended, that, that joint extended and sense the difference. There is less tension in your, with your fingertips extended because you're breaking up the tendency to be in all flexion. When you curl your fingers so your fingernails turn into the palm, that's flexion. flexion. When you extend that joint towards your fingertips, you're using and, and creating a soft fist. You're both flexing and extending thus distributing the effort by using both flexors and extensors to make that fist. However, if you close your fingers on the rein, start by closing your thumb on your index finger that, rather than closing your fist. Now that's subtle. And I'd like to think of my fist as spring-like, so there's soft give within my fingers rather than a hard, closed, unyielding hand in a tight fist. I avoid that. I even play a game with myself to see if I can ride without increasing the tone of my hands and arms. Instead, I use my seat with the counteraction of my seat bones back and down. The horse does feel that. It's part of me maintaining my alignment to remain still in place. And since the muscles of my spine and pelvis are large and powerful, the action is subtle and requires almost no effort on my part, nor any unyielding tension that feels harsh to my horse. It keeps me still in the saddle, so not to disturb the function of my horse's back. Next, with a soft fist and holding your arms like you're holding a rein, the reins, so just pretend you're holding the reins, sense that your wrists are not braced. Your wrists should be soft, you don't want to hold tension in your wrists. Keep them supple with the back of your wrist flat, parallel to your fore, straight out from your forearm. You don't want to cock your wrist in or out because that'll create tension either on the inside or the outside of your forearm. So that's also something else you can try. So again, pretending to hold the reins, move your hands so that your wrists bend in and out. Sense the tension in your forearm as they forearm as they your hands turn inward and outward. Next, continuing to explore with a soft fist with your arms like you're holding the reins, rotate your hands so your thumbs point towards each other, what's commonly called piano hands, and then move them away from each other, your thumbs away from each other, so they point opposite. Again, sense what happens in your forearm. So you'll find having your thumbs uppermost, not completely up, but slightly pointing towards each other, has the least tension. I like to think of them as pointing towards the horse's opposite ear. 
And if you were to bring your hands together, the knuckles of the, your first two fingers would touch. These suggestions of hand and arm positions are a guide. The overall advice and guidance I give you is to dedicate yourself towards improving how you move on both on and off the horse. Commit to find more efficient and functional movement patterns while correct hand placement and holding the reins needs attention to details, the use of the rest of yourself in relationship to your hands is just as or even more important to the ideal functioning of your hands. As you improve your movement patterns, finding ease and effortless support, your arm and hand position organically falls into place. Willfully trying to place your arm and hands with repetition is not effective to learning. Sensing and exploring for more, more, more ideal function coupled with the willingness to make and accept mistakes creates the conditions where you seamlessly find what works. Your hand position is the elusive obvious. It just falls into place. My hands evolved because I developed more ideal movement in the rest of me. And I'm finding my students are experiencing these same improvements too. And a good illustration is the example of my holding the whip. My instructor admonished me repeatedly because I had a habit of holding my whip on my horse's shoulder. I was not able to place it over my thigh for optimal positioning. And to place your whip well requires optimal arm and hand position. So fast forward to a lot of work um, on myself, changing my movement patterns, and also a period where, where I did not have regular riding instruction, thus no reminders to correct how I was holding my whip, plus my own personal belief that it was a, fair, a fairly low priority. But I did find the whip found its ideal placement with no effort on my part when my hands just found their, their ideal position. Well, that's it for this session. I hope you found this information interesting and educational. Please subscribe to my channel. If this topic or any of the other topics in this podcast piqued your curiosity and you need to learn more, visit my website, www.feldenkraisinspired.com, or you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. And contact me for information regarding riding lessons or Feldenkrais movement lessons and classes during the week over Zoom. And thanks to Zoom, we can have private movement lessons or you can have private movement lessons or attend class with new people from all over the planet. Many of my students have discovered their innate ability with improved seats, independent aids, and they learn they can feel their own and their horse's movements to a level that has them excited about what they have accomplished and their future possibilities. Again, thank you for listening and until next time, enjoy your time with your horse.